I believe that God knows the needs that you have in your life. I believe he knows what's on your heart today. And he is going to speak to you today through the scriptures by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you will find the answers that you need to move forward in faith and peace and happiness. Praise God. Today we're going to start in Amos chapter 9. I want you to look at a very prophetic verse, verse 13. I believe this is the season that we are now in. You need to be expecting miracles and God to do great things. I want to share this verse with you. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God with praise and rejoicing, knowing that we are in the midst of ongoing harvest. Praise God. Verse 13 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Now I believe that prophetically we are now in these days that they don't always have to be coming or something out on the horizon, but that we are walking in them now. And it says, When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. In other words, you are harvesting just as fast as you can sow. Wow, praise the Lord. As you're sowing seed, you're experiencing harvest. As you're sowing seed, you're experiencing harvest. And I I really believe that this is God's plan for the church. I believe that the church present day has overcome so many obstacles. One of those being the difficulties of poverty and lack. And I don't, I don't know about you, but when I grew up in the church as a young boy in the denomination that I was in, there was no teaching ever on the subject that God will meet your needs, much less that God might do something beyond a, a basic need. In other words, that God might do something nice and actually help you acquire something that you like. Oh, we never heard anything like that at all. So God has done an amazing work of causing his word, the teaching of his word to go throughout the earth. And perhaps you are like myself. You, you grew up and you had no clue of what a tithe was and you never tithe and it was never taught to you. Maybe you never had any teaching on offerings. Uh, you never knew anything about the dynamics of sowing seed and reaping harvest. Now, Maybe you knew it from a farming aspect that if you plant this, you plant tomato seeds, you can have a tomato plant with lots of tomatoes on it. But when it came to sowing money as seed, which Paul talked about clearly to the church in Corinth, we growing up, most of us, you could be an, an example of somebody maybe who did get good teaching, but you're few and far between if you did know that. For most of us, it was something that we were unaware of. And so we had to learn this in life and we had to make up for lost time. And so what I'm saying today is I believe that there can come a season in your life and not just a short lived season, but something that's ongoing where there can be rapid financial acceleration in your life. This financial acceleration is in coordination with the acceleration of your knowledge of God's word and your willingness to walk in the light of his word. In other words, working his system, seed time harvest. Okay, Lord, I see that now I'm on that Lord. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to sow seed. 
And you can you can begin to see that there's a place where the plowman really does overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The 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 person is treading the grapes out and uh, in other words, getting all the juice out, the, the, the profit, the product that you really want from the grapes. And just as soon as you can sow the grape seed here, here's another harvest. And there's a supernatural element to this because in the natural, there's seasons for sowing and reaping, but there is a place such as here, Amos nine thirteen, And when you look at the context of this chapter, like verse 12, with the tabernacle of David being raised up, well, the tabernacle of David lay dormant within the history of the church for untold ages. You would have little times where there would be uh, longer outbreaks of praise and worship, but there are now ministries that focus on 24 7, 365 days a year, ongoing praise and worship before the throne of God. So, as we're seeing the tabernacle of David raised up, I believe we're also going to see verse 13. And at the same time, we're going to see uh, tremendous salvation of souls. Praise God. Just as fast as we could sow the seed, which is the word, right? The preaching of the gospel. Here comes the harvest. Here comes the harvest. And that really is what God has on his mind right now with America and many nations of the earth. And we're going to disciple many nations. There, there are a lot of nations that are in the toss up category. Are they going to be sheep nations or are they going to be goat nations? Well, we're going to send out the word and we're going to send out missionaries and apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers into these nations along with the word, our teaching into these nations. And we're going to disciple these nations and these nations are going to become sheep nations. Praise the Lord. That's how we can use our finances to impact the world Hallelujah, the follow after the Lord Jesus Christ and to be discipled by him. Praise God. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. You may think, Pastor Stephen, I don't think I'm in the place financially where I, I should be at. I'm kind of getting along in life, and uh, it doesn't seem like I, I am reaping according to the way that I believe that I have sown. God can make it up for you in one month. If God wants, he can make it up in one day or one week. But I believe that you're going to come into a mode where you're just reaping. You're just reaping all the time and you're sowing because as it comes in, as, as blessing comes in, you can tithe, you can sow seed and it just continues and it just continues. Praise the Lord. God is going to make up for all lack, all shortage, all times of what perhaps could be described as famine or times where the enemy just harassed your finances, God is going to make it up quickly and abundantly, and you're just going to be reaping. You're going to be reaping all the time. Praise the Lord. And because you're sowing all the time as well. So move by faith into this biblical end time cycle of what God is doing. This is supernatural. This is just fast as you can send it out. It's already coming in. It's already coming in. Praise the Lord. And we're going to use it to preach the gospel literally all over planet earth. Hallelujah. On every platform, television, internet, social media, uh, through uh, the printed page, everything. Praise God. Glory to God. This is the time of mass evangelism. Billy Graham has gone on to be with the Lord and with his passing and the passing of Dr. Oral Roberts uh, several years earlier. It is time for this mantle of miracles 
and evangelism and integrity to come together and for there to be an, a move of evangelism across the planet unlike anything the earth has ever seen before and finances are going to flow to those unlike anything ever seen before for those that have hearts to see the gospel preached hallelujah glory to God because Jesus said this gospel shall be preached into all the earth to all the nations and then the end shall come. Woo, praise the Lord. So we're getting closer to the end. Let's do our part. Let's step into verse 13 by faith and expect it to happen in our lives. Now, those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28117. If you would like to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage titled Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there anytime, day or night, and bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people as they are honoring you with their finances, which is an element of worship. They're bringing the tithe and offering into the storehouse where they're being spiritually fed and supplied. I pray, Father God, that verse 19 be a reality in their lives, that they could even be forerunners in this as this is beginning to touch the fringes of the body of Christ and will begin to push inward and many will begin to experience this who have hearts for world evangelism. So Father God, I just pray that they as plowmen, that they overtake the reaper, that they as treader of grapes, that they will overtake the person who's even sowing the seed, which is themselves, that there be miracle sowing and rapid harvest. Father, harvest it so rapid on the seed they've sown that it's not even natural possible for a plant to grow that fast. But this is spiritual seed. This is financial seed coming as financial harvest. And we thank you, Father, that it's very important that there is a that is a a supernatural flow of provision because as as you said in Deuteronomy eight eighteen, there is the purpose for wealth so that the covenant may be established so that the great commission might be filled. And Father, I'm praying for your people. They have hearts for the great commission to be fulfilled. So bless them financially so that they have mighty seed to sow and they have harvest to take and out of that harvest, more seed to sow. We just thank you, Father, for this ongoing flow until Christ returns and takes us home to be with him forever in heaven. Father, bless your people with Amos 9.13. And we thank you for all the souls that are going to be saved that we share in this harvest and this great work of pulling in the nets. Oh God, we share in the harvest together and the eternal rewards that will be waiting for us on the other side in heaven when we arrive. We thank you, Father God, that we can work with hearts that have an eternal focus in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you as you're honoring him now with your giving. Let us go today for today's message to the gospel of Luke chapter four. And this talks in depth about the temptations that the Lord faced from the enemy, from Satan himself. And we see the Lord overcoming 
these various temptations that were designed to test his humanity and look for areas of weakness in his armor. And as you and I both know, the enemy could not break through. And we want to examine today verse 13 so that we give the devil no opportunity to have access into our lives and so that we walk in the ongoing victory of the cross through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives big in us. So today we're going to be in Luke 4 verse 13. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we study your word, that your Holy Spirit would come and turn on the light and that we can see it and we can take these truths and apply them to our lives, that we can live by them and experience the righteous fruit that is produced by walking in the light of your word. Now we thank you for this work of your spirit, energizing your word and energizing us in the name of Jesus and around the world today, we all say, amen. Luke chapter four, verse 13 at the end of the temptations in which, in which Satan was defeated. Verse 13 says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The devil was defeated so thoroughly that he walked away thinking, I've never met anybody like this in my life before. And he has thoroughly defeated me. Jesus has, and I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board and re-strategize how to attack this guy. And I need to also do it at an opportune time. Now is not an opportune time. I've been, I've been defeated and I've been humiliated. I've been turned down and rejected. I have been resisted by him. And so I've got to go about uh, rethinking this for a, another attack at another opportune moment. See, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If somebody who were weaker than you were to try to come up to you and ladies, they, they would try to take your purse. Men, they would try to steal your wallet. And you know that you're stronger than them. If they were to come up against you and try to take that from you, you would resist. You would say, oh, no, 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 no. You're not taking this. And even if they were stronger physically, you may still have such courage and boldness that you say, oh, in the name of Jesus, you're not taking this. This is mine. And God's given this to me. And I bind you in the name of Jesus. And you know, you, the, and then the police show up, help shows up, whatever the case might be, the angels show up and uh, see you resist, you resist the devil, you resist his thoughts, his suggestions, and you resist his varied attacks that would he, had, he would endeavor to bring, uh, bring against your life. And when you resist, he will flee from you. Now it says when the devil had ended every temptation, he, the devil, departed from him, departed from Jesus until an opportune time. In the kingdom of darkness, Satan is the head general, and in his attacks, he is strategic. These are not just, you know, like, let's just randomly show up and, um, and see if we can get somebody to sin. No, they are strategic. They are mapped out they are planned. There are council rooms in the kingdoms of darkness where, where Satan will sit down with his other leaders and they'll think, what can we do to break through on this person's life? And you have to understand that the enemy works from the 
from the method of thinking, let's look for an opportune time in the future when we can attack. Well, Pastor Stephen, what's an opportune time from the devil's perspective? Isn't that good to know? Knowing that this is the way he thinks. See, look, you need to know your enemy. Now, we're not afraid of the devil or anything like that, but you need to know how he works. He's very crafty. He's very sneaky, and he's very good at what he does. So you have to take him seriously. So the devil, when he's looking for an opportune time, he's basically looking for your low moments or your low points in life. He won't necessarily come when you're real strong. He'll come when you are tired. He will come after you've been bombarded with maybe trials or disappointments or discouragements or letdowns or things like that. You've had them in succession. And that's when he'll try to come in with a major attack. And you need to be ready for that. See, the Lord Jesus physically, not spiritually, but physically right here in Luke 4, he is absolutely physically exhausted. Now the devil thinks this is actually a good time for me to attack. The devil didn't realize he's been spending the whole time in prayer and fasting, and he is full of the power of God. So the devil thinks it's weak, but from God's side, there's strength in this. So you can be naturally weak, yet spiritually empowered by God. Hallelujah. So the enemy's coming thinking he's had no food, the, uh, the enemy was also trying to uh, harass Jesus when he was there 40 days, 40 nights in the middle of the desert and uh, trying to work through wild animals to taunt and make afraid uh, of the Lord. Because you have to remember there was uh, wild animals during that time still in the land of Israel. There were lions and he's out in the desert. He doesn't have an envoy. He doesn't have protection in the sense of guys around him with swords or shields or anything like that. He didn't take any food. He's out there by himself, and there's no grocery stores. And he has reached the end of his physical limit. If you are not led by the Spirit, these can be dangerous places to be. Like I said, when you go 40 days and it says he's hungry, he's hungry. he has depleted every physical reserve in his body. That's why the hunger has kicked in. And when you're in a place like that, it is even very difficult to put one foot in front of the other. So he has somehow got to get out of this wilderness, out of this desert, back into a populated area so he can get food, and he's got to be able to do it without dying. There's no convenience stores, uh, you know, no, no, nowhere to just run across somebody who's got a hot meal. He's in a very isolated place. So the enemy would like to kill him out there. And so the devil thinks this is a great time to attack. So he bought it. Uh, he bought all of his uh, weapons against the Lord, his best connived temptations, and the Lord resisted and overcame him with the anointed word by speaking the word to the enemy every single time. And the enemy just uh, gave up because it was just too much, too much. Praise the Lord. So you may appear to be weak. The devil may think that you're weak, but as long as you're strong in the Lord, you're going to be able for anything that the enemy could bring against your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You need to be knowledgeable that the enemy would try to attack 
on opportune times. You've seen it in the histories of various nations when uh, an enemy would attack during the other nation's weak moment. Ah, when was Israel attacked in a war against Israel years back on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the holiest day of the year in Israel. Oh, that's when a major United Arab attack took place against Israel when the whole nation was at rest because it's the day of atonement, the day that everybody takes the day off. Nobody does anything. Uh, even the military is relaxed. And that's when the assault took place. Th- by the way, that'll never happen again in Israel. They, they are on the alert 24 seven feast day or not a feast day. They don't give the, in, uh, their potential enemies, uh, any, uh, free moments now of potential access they're they're on it now and that's something that they learned because <laughs> the enemy looks for opportune times when are you letting your guard down when do you routinely and habitually let your regard down because that's that's how he plays he plays dirty he doesn't fight fair he if he can cheat if he can break rules, he'll do whatever it takes. He doesn't have a playbook that says, don't gouge in the eyes, don't kick to the groin. He doesn't, he doesn't abide by any of that. He'll, he'll do all he can to go just as far as the limit where God will allow him to go. God will never allow you to be tempted with more than you can bear. But the enemy, he will push it right up to that limit where God says, that's it. But he'll take it right up to the, to the that's it point. And a lot of people... Uh, when I say people, I talk about Christians, they, they don't understand sometimes how crafty the, the devil really is. And it's easy, it's easy to make generalized statements like, well, we have the victory in Jesus, and we do. And, you know, make statements like, well, the devil's a defeated foe, and he is. But you, you, need, to, you need to be ready. You need to be ready because when the devil shows up, and let, let me just say this, when Satan shows up he he can bring the goods whoo i mean he can he can come in ways that you're just like wow he he's real i mean he is a real entity he is a defeated foe but although christ defeated him at calvary he still is intent on taking as many people to hell with him as he can and he wants to make things just as difficult for the church as possible so there is a real fight of faith here that is that is on the line and uh when he shows up it's not joking time look when you're in the middle of a natural disaster i'll give you an example we were in uh, an area where we had our church one time and there was a very strong earthquake. I mean, it just, uh, you, you wouldn't think so in North Carolina, but there was, I mean, it jolted uh, everything around us. And um, it was amazing to instantly see the panic and fear that happened with many of the other Christians around us. I'm talking about Christians that go to church every Sunday that that loved Jesus but when they got struck with uh, with fear I mean you you I mean they did things that you wouldn't expect Christians to do I'm talking total fear locked up with fear pandemonium what do I do what do I do and my wife and I had to immediately go into you know courage mode you know be calm 
you know, just everything's okay. Just relax. Uh, you know, because uh, people didn't know what to do, especially in North Carolina. You know, in, in California, particularly Southern California, when there's an earthquake, people have experienced it before usually. And uh, and so people kind of know what to do, but people didn't know what to do a few years back when that strong jolt uh, came right through North Carolina. So there are a lot of terrified Carolinians running around. A lot of them were Christians. Why? Because when the enemy does strike, uh, he can bring that fear, and it's when you sense it, and it's real. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's no big deal. I'm ready. That's what a lot of people say that are believers, but they're not really ready. But when you're in a place where, uh, let me give you an example, like Israel. In the year 2015, my wife and I were in Israel. We led a tour there, and this was in the midst of the uh, the knife intifada. This was the rising up of the angry Palestinians, not all the Palestinians, of course, but some that were just all riled up and worked up. And their thing was to knife a Jew. And, you know, in other words, they were trying to strike fear into the Jewish people of Israel by a barbaric, cruel act that would thus shock the nation and put the nation into fear and to a retreat mode. And so you had a, you had quite a few Palestinians, you know, coming out with these knives, uh, you know, and when you see a person coming at you with a butcher knife this long and they're fully demon possessed and they're coming at you or your kids and they're trying to kill you, you'll find out real quick who Satan really is. And it's not the time then to realize, you know, I don't think I'm ready for this. There needs to be something in you, which is God, the strength of his word, the power of the spirit that doesn't run away that says, oh no, stand my ground and I, and I, and, and, and God is bigger in me than this thing that's coming against me. And I'm not saying you don't feel it. You can feel that. I mean, it can make your hair stand up on the back of your neck, but you still stand in the face of Satan himself and say, I stand in Christ and I'm not going anywhere. And I stand against this in the name of Jesus, because there are a lot of people they'll just take off. I've seen it in natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, and other types of things where bad people wanting to do bad things are coming. I mean, that, that fear can hit people. I'm talking to Christians. And the next thing you know that the Christian that were, that were quoting all the scriptures and trying to act like they're all brave, the next thing you know, they're gone. And they're running as fast as they can with the spirit of fear chasing them. So th- this is a real thing. This is a real thing. The enemy brought it all. Satan himself brought his fierce attack against Jesus and just just bounced off of Jesus. And uh, Satan didn't give up. He said, I'm leaving, but I'll come back at another opportune time. And he would come back in different formats, trying to work through the religious leaders to bait Jesus into conversations where they could verbally trap him and set him up. They tried to get him to say something out of context or something that he didn't mean. And these were experts in the law. When I'm talking about the law, I'm talking about the, the Mosaic law and the legalities of it. And Jesus never once got caught in, the, in those snares and that bait, never once. And so Satan was always looking for these opportune moments to try to get him, to try to fluster him, to try to get him afraid, to try to get him to run and do something out of character, to do something out of faith so that an accusation could be brought against him. 
Wow. So my friends, there is a real devil. He is defeated, but we need to enforce his defeat over our lives by knowing who we are in Christ and by knowing how each day we can be prepared to stand against anything, whether it's a sunny, peaceful day or it's a day where that just happens to be the day where the devil lets some darts fly. You need to be positioned and prepared for it. And so let's let's jump into it today we've seen Luke 4 now let's move over to Ephesians chapter 6 so that you can know what you need to be wearing every single day praise God hallelujah glory to God you know I remember that when we were in Israel in 2015 when all the knifings were taking place and by the way don't think that Israel is dangerous I think Israel is probably one of the safest nations on the face of the earth with the with the most advanced military with the highest tech with the highest levels of security uh, in any other country that you'll ever witness the only way you'll really know is to go there and when you see how organized they are with security but i'm talking even in our country there's there's uh you know a lot of times people think oh the middle east is dangerous my friends don't don't forget what's going on in the news every day uh in america where people are being shot and killed and, and schools are being bombed and and kids are showing up with uh, guns at school killing other kids and there's violence in certain streets there's there are some cities in America that are so dangerous with murder, a common occurrence every night. We're talking about like places like Chicago and Detroit and other areas, areas of Southern California, where there are some places you do not want to walk at night unless you are there with a SWAT team or uh, armed police. Or uh, the, the, This is America now. So you need to know who you are in the Lord. You need to know how to face every situation so that you that you come through it. You come through it. Praise God. This is not just for those on the mission field. Hallelujah. Ministering in, in a distant third world country. Praise God. Glory to God. But this is for everyday living anywhere today, where, wherever you're at on planet earth, whether you're in America, whether you're in Europe, you know, when we were in uh, France just a few months back, my wife, uh, Kelly said, uh, Stephen, I think I'd like to get up early and go over to the, uh, you know, the famous Notre Dame Cathedral, because we were in Paris. And I said, well, if, if you want to do that, you can do that. But, um, you know, it's probably going to be crowded and stuff like that. So let's, let's do something else. She said, okay, you're right. Let's do something else. And we did something else that day. But wouldn't you know it, that morning, that morning, there was a knifer. There, there's a person with a knife stabbing people there at the church. And I think nine people were stabbed or injured. And, you know, the whole place, the whole church was under lockdown. So you have to know who you are in the Lord and just go forward, go forward. Because even as a believer, even as a believer, God is going to lead you away from many things that would be yucky. But there are some things you may just need to be there to be courage and strength for others to stabilize and hold the situation together because without your presence, it could descend possibly in the total uh, chaos. Glory to God. And if there's chaos, there could be a stampede. Hundreds or even thousands could get killed. And sometimes perhaps God wants you there. Glory to God. Glory to God. The last days are very exciting. Very exciting. Pastor Stephen, I, maybe I'm going to be a martyr. Well, probably not. But the thing is, is that if you're living for the Lord 100%, there's an element 
where really when it comes to situations of danger and stuff like that, you don't even care because you, you, your life is already completely given over to the Lord. And that, that's another thing the enemy's like, uh, well, the person's not afraid of death. So w- what all can we do really? So when you take away his, his little advantages, then he, he's left with nothing that can, uh, can penetrate you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's find out about this tremendous spiritual armory that we have available to us. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put, so there's armor that we can put on and wear, and you need to put it on every single day. Woo! Whether you live in the safest, most peaceful city in your country or in your state, wherever you might be at, it doesn't matter where you're at. You need to have on your spiritual armor. Praise the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now the word wiles there in the Greek refers to stratagem, strategy, mapped out planning against your life. Well, there are evil spirits that literally get together and have, and have board meetings that have conference room meetings of how to take you out of how to get you tangled up in things that you don't want to get tangled up in of how to get you to do something that you don't want to do. They actually plot your, your failures. Wow. But my friends, those days are over of the enemy outwitting you because God is going to help you to overcome the enemy. Now, every single time you're going to be putting on the armor of God every day, and you will be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, not against people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this is not about you know, your brother-in-law, your mother-in-law, or your co-workers at work, or things like that. In many ways, this is also not about Democrats trying to abort babies, or Republicans, uh, you know, trying to, um, you know, be cronies, those that would do that. Because there's a lot of people on the Republican side, they need to get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit also. And there's not a lot of people that are Democrats. They need to get born again as well. Praise Lord. And stop endeavoring to, to slaughter all these innocent babies that are still in the womb of their mothers. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it's not the people. It's the powers of darkness that are working behind the scenes to influence the way that people think that is contrary to the word of God. Mm. Praise the Lord. So you don't you don't want to get mad at the people. You don't want to quarrel, argue, or fight with people. No, you want to pray for God's strategy to walk in the light of the word and let God do his work. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. I'm telling you, there's weapons that are beyond even your vote. There's weapons beyond even voicing your, your voice in the Senate hall. Or on the floor of the Congress, there are weapons that are mightier and more powerful than that. And we need to use them. And I believe, I believe that the season is changing in America. 
I believe that the church is about to come out of the closet. Woo! I mean, everything else came out a long time ago, came out decades ago. So sin is rampant in, in our nation. Sin is embraced. That which is perverted is celebrated, and that which is righteous and holy is mocked and made fun of. But the church is about to come out of the closet, empowered and endued with the power of the Spirit. The church is coming out of the closet just like Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And there are going to be a whole, there's going to be a whole new generation of evangelists preaching, not just one Billy Graham, but a whole generation of evangelists coming forth. And they're just going to be letting it fly. The truth of the gospel. You need to repent of your sins and you need to be saved and washed with the blood of Jesus. And it's just going to be going day and night all over the place, all over the place. Hallelujah. And they won't be afraid to be locked up. They won't be afraid to be politically incorrect. They won't be afraid to be ostracized. They won't be afraid if their Facebook page is plugged or pulled. They're just going to keep on going. And God's going to give platforms, and the voice is going to get louder and louder and stronger and stronger. The voice of the gospel, the voice of reason, the voice of morality. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the church's finest hour is coming forth. Woo! And, and this is why you need to have on these weapons because the enemy is not going to take it lightly. Oh, it doesn't mean that you're going to stumble or fall or he's going to break through on you, but it does mean just you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. You never know when a camera can get shoved in your face and somebody wants to catch you in something uh, and get you to say something and, and you're caught off guard. Woo! The devil looks for those opportune times. He's very, very good at that, about trying to uh, ambush the people of God, trying to uh, just like jump in there at, uh, at, with no notice or anything like that and try to do something. Praise the Lord. But it's, it's a plot. It's a plan of the enemy. And sometimes our greatest weapon is just not re- really to say anything, but just keep on walking in love, keep on going. Praise the Lord, because anything you say, they're going to they're gonna try to warp it, twist it, turn it, and use it against you. Now, there is a time to speak, but that's when you're filled with the Spirit, and it's the right atmosphere, right place. Hallelujah. I think there's a lot of these talk shows that a lot of, a lot of Christian ministers, they need to stop going to them, because every time they go to these talk shows, these talk shows are baited. They're already set up. All they're trying to do is, is um, catch the minister in something that will water down the gospel and will dilute the message of the gospel. And, you know, the whole thing is prescripted and planned of how they can diminish anything that the person would say and try to get them all tangled up and, and discombobulated and confused or, or something like that. So a lot of those things are just traps. And there's a lot of ministers that need to stop doing these things because it's not like the, the you know these people are going to say you know what you're right you're just making such good sense and the gospel is so true we just all want to get saved you know they're not going to do that but I think a lot of these ministers they're going on these programs because they want the exposure they want the recognition but it's not doing anything to convert anybody praise the Lord because all those shows are designed to cancel out anything that would glorify the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. I know that the Lord can work through media. I know that the Lord can, can break through, but there are traps that are laid and it's not like you can go in there and overthrow that. The best things don't go in there. 
God can give larger platforms even outside of that. That's what's going to begin to happen. If Facebook is going to shut down the ministers, God will raise up other platforms. If YouTube is going to censor the ministers, God will raise up other platforms and God will let new creativity and, and new ideas come forth. And it's going to, it's going to be to the detriment of those companies that are persecuting Christians because it's going to actually hurt them in the end with their business. It's going to hurt their business. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The, the church is coming out of the closet, and we're going to see great waves of evangelism sweep over this nation. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't expect everybody to get saved and born again, but there will be another wave. We haven't had a wave in a long, long time. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about this kind of a wave. I'm talking about a wave of the Spirit where suddenly the church is not afraid to say anything. Suddenly the church is emboldened. Can you imagine the church emboldened? Can you imagine a minister going on these shows filled with the Spirit and saying, you all need to repent of your sins. If you don't repent of your sins, you're never going to make heaven. And, and, and carrying a power that's stronger than what they have because they have plotted. They, those people that are working in these areas, they have witches that are fasting and praying to, to the devil to, uh, you know, just give power to those shows but my friends, you have to come in if the Lord leads you in, in armory. See, there can be times when you do go forward. There's the time that God told Elijah to go and confront the false prophets of Baal and Asherah. But the God sent him. Now, if God sends you, you can go up and you can go on the show or whatever it might be. But if God doesn't send you, then it's only something that will dilute and diminish the high standard of the gospel where it's mocked or made fun of, or just, you know, put on the level of all the other religions of the world. Praise God. But you can't make heaven through any other way, except through Jesus Christ, God's son. He is the only mediator between God and man, and you can't get to heaven any other way. And if you don't go through Jesus, you'll die in your sins and you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And then in, uh, you will be transitioned eventually from hell and to the lake of fire. Praise God. That's not a place that you want to go. It's not a place that God wants anybody to go, but there's a heaven to gain and a hell to avoid. Praise the Lord. And the message must be preached. So there is a boldness coming back. There is a boldness coming back. Praise God. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That's the day that we're in. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. So uh, the belt that goes around you that holds up uh, you, you know, your pants and so forth, and even holds up your sword. That is the belt of truth. And God's word is truth. And God says it's wrong. It's wrong. And it doesn't matter what the talk show hosts say. It doesn't matter what the, you know, politically uh, so-called correct media says. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. If God says marriage is between a man and a woman only, then that's the only definition of marriage, not between two women, not between two men. Praise the Lord. So we must have the belt of truth around our waist, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
that is salvation in Christ. And now the righteousness of Christ has become your righteousness because you are in Christ. You are now in God. And when God, the father sees you, he sees you being in Christ. Therefore your sins are washed away and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. Hallelujah. And you're in the family of God and you accept it. And God sees you as being righteous. That means right standing with him because of your position in his son, Jesus. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace with the preparation. So you're able to, to share the basic gospel message. You're, you're able to share God's basic plan of salvation to lead anyone to Christ who would be interested in that. And you never know. You never know when, where, how it might happen. I remember that I had a place years back where I was working at the front desk of a hotel. I was the receptionist and it was real slow. There was, there was nobody there. This is not something where I'm skimping my work uh, to do what unfolded. I was actually helping a customer. I had a customer come in from Germany, he and his wife, and um, he saw a Bible sitting over on the side of the front counter. And uh, he saw the Bible and he said, do you know the Bible? He could speak. He was German, but he could speak English. He said, do you know what, do you know and understand the Bible? I said, well, yes, I, I could help you if you have a question. He said, could you please explain to me now? Can you imagine this? Here's an unbeliever. And he said, could you please explain to me what John three 16 means I have no idea what it means but I used to watch the World Series and when they would show the pitcher pitching the ball to the catcher uh, there was a man sitting in the in the stands back behind the catcher and he had a he had like this wig on like this afro colored wig it was a rainbow rainbow colored afro rig uh, many of you remember that different colors big puffy uh, do and he'd hold up a sign that said John three sixteen. And so this, this visitor from Germany, visiting Southern California, visiting Disneyland, asked me, can you, I, I saw that and I never knew what that meant. I used to watch the World Series on TV, even back in Germany. And I always wondered, what does John 3.16 mean? I know it's in the Bible, but I have no idea what it means. Can you explain it to me? Well, there's nobody in line. There's nobody else in the lobby, just he and his wife. So I said, yes, I can explain it to you. And in three minutes, I explained it to him. He goes, oh, now I understand. I said, good. I said, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He said, yes, I would. And his wife said, no, you don't. <laughs> and she said, we've got to get to Disneyland right now. And she pulled him out of that lobby just as fast as she could. And he was, he was said, I, I think I want to. And she said, no, you don't. And she pulled him out. But I, I gave it the best try. But the seed of the word was sown again into his heart. So I believe that he and his wife will make heaven by putting eventually their faith and trust in Jesus. Who knows? Maybe they have. It's been decades since I last saw him. Praise God. I hope to see him one day in heaven, but we need to be able to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, not the gospel of argumentation, but the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So you, you have to fight the fight of faith, not a fist fight, not a quarrel, not an argument, but a fight of faith where you stay in faith and you continue to contend for the word of God and the promises of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. You really need to go out every day with the helmet of salvation, because this has a lot to do with your thought life, what you're thinking, meditating on the word, resting in the peace of God. But if you go in, if you go into your daily life without the helmet of salvation, wow, you're going to get hit with all kinds of crazy thoughts. And you'll start to think about what the newspaper said, all the horror and all the awful things making the front headlines of the newspaper. And you'll read that for 45 minutes before you start your day. Then you'll watch the news and then you'll saturate your mind and your thought life with more crazy stories out of all the fake news coming out of all these uh, various news organizations. It's just all lies. So much of it is just total lies. And if you don't have on the helmet of salvation, you'll be confused. And the worst thing is to believe a lie because now you're in a place of having been deceived. My friends, we're going to hold to the word of the Lord. We're going to renew our minds with the word of God. Now, when you think about Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be, let your mind be renewed with the word of God. That's not just talking about changing up a few things. That actually in the Greek is a major, major transformation. That is a complete renovation of the way you think complete renovation of the way you think. And the only way that you're going to change it is by washing your mind with the word of God and having a close walk with the Lord in prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now look at this verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, this is the Apostle Paul, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Did you know that the enemy tried to back down Paul's boldness? Wow. I, I, I mean, Paul's saying, pray for me, that when I open my mouth, I may have boldness. And he, he's needing that, because that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to back the church down so that the church is his little timid, cowardly voice that either doesn't say anything or would just speak with like cowardice or when events strike, the church runs with the rest of the world. No, there needs to be a standard. That's what I liked about Churchill. When all the other nations and the leaders of other nations were bowing and compromising to Hitler when Hitler's war machine was raging and crushing nations and other nations said, we might as well just give in. We might as well surrender. We can't stop this guy. Churchill said, we'll fight. We'll fight to the death. We are not running and we're not giving in. And he was the British bulldog. That's what I like about Trump. When all of this crazy political correctness, marriage between a man and another man is okay, long as you love each other, and all this perversion, and all of this stuff of like, let's, let's not have any national identity, let's dissolve our sovereignty and just have no borders and to just let whoever comes in. Yeah, right, and let the taxpayers somehow pay for all of it, give everybody a free ride. I mean, this stuff is insanity, and it took somebody to come in and say, this is craziness. We can't be doing this. No nation can survive doing this. And that's why I love President Trump, because he's God's man for this evil hour. This evil hour. You know, if you read the stories of the great men and women of God in church history, you have to realize they had standards of the word, and they wouldn't compromise. 
even the young man, Lester Sumrall, who grew up to be a great apostle of God, Dr. Sumrall talked about the time that he went over to visit the apostle of faith, Mr. Smith Wigglesworth, there in England. And when Brother Sumrall, as a young man, went to visit Lester, excuse me, when Lester Sumrall went to visit Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Sumrall showed up with a newspaper under his arm and knocked on the door and said, um, Hey, I'm, I'm here to visit you. Can I come in? He said, you can't come in with that. And, and brother Sumrall was like, what my newspaper and brother Wigglesworth said, it's nothing but lies. You can't bring those lies into my house. Now here's a man back in the 1940s saying, you can't bring that newspaper into my house. It's full of lies but you'll have people that turn on these, these certain networks and uh, they're just spewing out lies continually. And, it, and it's just nothing but liberalism and garbage that runs completely contrary to the word of God. Woo. So, you know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was known as an apostle of faith, having raised over 17 people that we know of from the dead and having had a tremendous ministry, but he would read the word, he would read the word and he would reject anything that would be a lie. Hallelujah. If it's a lie, we don't need to be listening to it. There's a standard in Philippians chapter four, verses eight, nine, and 10. And it tells us what we should be thinking about, what we should have our minds fixed on. Yes, it it needs to be truthful, but it also needs to be pure. It also needs to be noble and inspirational. It needs to be lovely things that are of a good report, things that are praiseworthy. But there's so much that's out there in the world that's just junk. We don't need to be hearing about that. It'll fill your heart with fear. And then when the devil shows up and something crazy happens, people just bolt with fear. You need to be full of faith. You need to be full of faith. And the only way that uh, to have that and to stand against the evil in the evil day is to walk close with God, full of faith by being in the word and walking with God closely in prayer so that the power of the spirit is in you big and strong. Because even Paul was saying, pray for me so that I may speak boldly. And that's what the church right now needs. The church needs to come out of the closet. And that's this next move of God with evangelists raising up, raising up and speaking the truth, speaking the truth. And the devil, he speaks lies and half-truths, but it's time for the truth to come out again, that you cannot make heaven outside of Jesus Christ, and that if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to live to these standards. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! It's amazing. It's amazing when the Pope or some religious official shows up to our national leaders, like when the Pope came. Even all the leaders in the Democratic Party were just weeping. They were so happy that he's there. And then as soon as he leaves, they'll turn right back around and get right back to work on just aborting as many babies as they can. Wow. I mean, it's just like, you're just like, hey, your, your, your religious spiritual leader was just here. The man that you identify with as being the person of faith who inspires you was here. And the doctrine of the church is that you know, marriage is between a man and a woman and that abortion is killing an unborn child. It it is wrong in the eyes of God, but you, you esteem the Pope, but then you turn right back around and just go right back to aborting as many babies as you can. The only reason people would do this is that 
evil spirits are influencing their thought patterns. And this stuff is rife in DC. There are some places in the world you can go to and you can instantly tell the atmosphere when you get there. You don't have to be very spiritual. You can go to, you go to Jerusalem. There is no other place on the earth that has tension in the atmosphere like Jerusalem does. I mean, you could almost feel like you can cut it with a knife and the whole world is affected by what takes place in that little tiny uh, sliver of a spot uh, known as Jerusalem. And it's, it's the, it just affects everything in the world. And you can feel the tension, especially when things flare up. There's no other place like it. That's why it's a good place to go and pray, pray for the nation of Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But DC, Washington, DC is a swamp. It really is. I believe God is using President Trump to drain the swamp. Look, crooked people with wrong motives and intentions go to D.C. not to serve their constituents. They go there to get rich. They go there for backroom deals and handshakes so that they will receive, you know, um, payouts, really, through forms of bribery from these corporations and kickbacks and stuff like that. That's how these politicians have millions of dollars. You think, how do these politicians have millions and millions of dollars? I thought the, I thought the job only paid $100,000 a year. I thought the job paid $70,000 a year. How do they, get, how do they become multimillionaires out of going to D.C.? That's because trillions of dollars are exchanged through all of these deals that take, that take place. And so there really needs to be politicians that have a heart for the Lord and a heart to take care of, of, of the nation with the heart of God. And look, the worst thing that the devil wants, and we, we could see it. I don't know if we're going to. It's happened before and the founding of this nation, but the worst thing that the devil wants is for ministers to start running for political office. Because if that happens, God's going to bring out the big guns uh, because there's a lot of other uh, uh, politicians they've waffled. But I, I'm telling you what, if God has to, he will begin to call, uh, I'm talking fiery preachers out to go and start running for political office. And these are men that, and women that fast and pray and hold 100% to the standard of God's word. They would be the, wor- the devil's worst nightmare. So if the devil keeps this up, and God has to, he'll, he'll start doing things like this. And we've seen it before. And when you look at the founding of the nation, those that signed the Declaration of Independence, there were a lot of ministers signing. Woo, there are a lot of preachers signing their signature. And if God has to do it, he'll do it again. Praise God, because there is a right and there is a wrong. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And as the leaders go, that's how the nation's going to go. See, the battle is for the high places, because whoever you get in the leadership is going to affect the people, because now they have authority, and now they can begin to plug in uh, who they want and so forth. So I believe we're going to see a great move of the Spirit of God and a wave come across this nation where the boldness comes back to the voice of the church because the church has been intimidated. But a a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, right is right, wrong is wrong. Okay, a sound mind is coming back to the church. It's going to be very, very interesting. 
Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Paul said, pray for me so I can speak boldly. Yes, we need to be praying for our leaders. They speak boldly. That's why me and my wife, we love President Trump. We love Vice President Mike Pence. We love the people that Mr. Trump has wisely assigned around him. Not a perfect group. There will be no perfect government until Jesus comes back to reign on the earth. But this is something that God is doing for the betterment of this nation and for the propagation of the gospel all around the world. We've never had a, uh, we've never had a president in our lifetime who favors the church like Mr. Trump is doing right now. Never ever in the history of our lifetime have we had a president who actually favors the church and loves pastors and loves the church and wants to do what he can to be a blessing to the church. So we must be praying for him because God wants to send a revival into this land. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let the Lord send revival to the Democrats. Let the Lord send revival to the Republicans and let people begin to hold the Bible as their standard. Woo. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. The church needs to stop compromising and selling out the truth for acceptance. We need to hold to the standard of God's word. Praise the Lord in love, speaking the truth in love, but still speaking the truth. Praise God. Hallelujah. The spirit of revival is coming. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Now, Father, let us be dressed in your spiritual armory. Out of that armory, let us take the armor and be girded and be dressed fully in it every single day. Father, we don't want to be working against your plan. We want to be working for it. We give you praise and glory. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We thank you that the winds of change are blowing and a spirit of power is coming upon the church. We thank you, Father God. We give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father God. Bring the voice, the Lion of Judah roar back to the church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when my wife and I were in Israel during the, um, the knife intifada, you know, I remember standing by the Western Wall and watching specialists from the Army military who are trained in psychology. I watched them minister to teenagers because the, uh, the young people can get afraid. Children can get afraid. They're like, hey, am I going to walk to the grocery store and, I, and I, is a guy going to run out of nowhere and stab me with a knife? And so, you know, uh, this stuff is going to the air. So uh, many of these military specialists, they'd get these teenagers together in large groups, hundreds. And they were doing that one day at the Western Wall, you know, get several hundred teenagers, get them all in a circle. And these, these um, specialists would get in the middle and they would begin to lead the, the teenagers into chants and begin to get them start making declarations and confessions of faith and of boldness and of protection 
And it was, it was fascinating to watch how they would begin to build up people to begin to get back in faith, get back in the courage, get back in the boldness, and to get back into a mindset of we're not going to be cowards, we're not going to be intimidated, we are going to be strong, and we will face any attack that the enemy brings, we'll face it with boldness, and we will not go down without a fight and we will be delivered and the nation of Israel is eternal and it will never be dissolved or conquered. Woo. I mean, it was, it was powerful to watch. Uh, these young people go from a state of being afraid to getting their, getting that eye of the tiger back. We're not afraid. Woo. Wow. It was a lot of fun to watch. Glory to God. So God's working. God's working all over America all over America to be in faith and to be in boldness. So walk in the armor of God and every day you will be able to stand in victory against the enemy. There will be no chink in your armor and no access for him to get through. Even what may look like an opportune moment, he just won't be able to uh, make any advantage over that. So father, we give you praise in Jesus name for helping us to be equipped every day with this mighty armor in Jesus name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's take communion today. Glory to God. The church's finest hour is coming forth. We're going to begin to see people getting saved in meetings all over America. Just watch. It's beginning to turn. It's beginning to happen. The the enemy's had his high water mark. It's time for the church. Watch what God's going to begin to do. And prosperity is going to begin to flow into the church. That's you. Unlike anything we've ever seen before. We're going to begin to take the high places. We're going to begin to grab airtime over all, all forms of media. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Woo! The end time church is a triumphant church. The end time church is the bride of Christ arrayed in glory. Oh, not tattered and torn and defeated. Oh no. Arrayed in beauty. Praise the Lord. Mm, Hallelujah. Oh yes. Hallelujah. We're leaving on a high note of victory when our time comes. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it and sanctify it. We thank you, Father God, this is now the blood of Jesus and the flesh of Jesus. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, we thank you that according to Psalm 34, 7, that your angels encamp round about us and they deliver us from all evil. I thank you, Father, for your angels surrounding your people, bringing comfort and peace and an airtight canopy of protection that nothing of darkness can get through. We thank you that your angels are with them now. Let your angels be stationed around your people day and night. We thank you for miracle protection. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, mighty, mighty angels watching over you, keeping you and your family safe from all harm. Glory to God. Let's receive God's word concerning that as we now partake of the flesh of Jesus. I hear the Lord saying that where you go, safety goes. Where you go, protection goes. That if anything were to happen and you're there, people are protected because of you. They go, they, they, they go 
protected because of God's canopy over you. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. God loves you and values you so much. He protects you and he'll even give those around you. He'll give, he'll give them protection just because of your walk with him. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is a heavy, heavy protection all around you. Heavy, heavy, heavenly protection. Angels sent from heaven to earth, establishing a mighty perimeter of protection and empowerment around you. Glory to God. The enemy cannot get through. You're too hot for the enemy. Woo. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the blood hedge protection of Jesus over our minds, over our thought lives, over our bodies, over our entire lives. We give you praise over our children, over our extended family. Thank you, Father God, over our president, over our vice president, over this nation, the blood of Jesus, the destiny of America shall be fulfilled. Oh God, raise up mighty evangelists. Now that Dr. Graham has gone home to be with you, raise up mighty evangelists. Let the church come forth in power now. Let a new wave of evangelism of signs and wonders and miracles come forth. Hallelujah. Double that of anything we've ever seen before. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe that God will be in our midst so strong that if there is a a public gathering, a mass evangelism crusade, and a terrorist runs in there with a body pack, a bomb, ready to pull the cord, I believe that God's angels will so protect, they can pull that cord over and over, and nothing going to happen. I believe they can go in there with guns, and that that the angels will even bind the guns. I, I've talked to people where stuff like this has happened before. I had a pastor friend in Nigeria where two gunmen came in with machine guns to kill him. And he said, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And the guns wouldn't operate. The guns wouldn't operate. And they came in there to murder him. And they left powerless to harm the man of God. That's Satan bringing his worst. That's him bringing everything he's got. And it didn't work. It didn't work. The angels of God in your life, too strong for the enemy. God's power, too much for the enemy to handle. And that's where the greatest protection will be at, is where the body of Christ is at. That's where the mighty canopy of God's glory will be at. Hallelujah. And when there's believers, you know there's safety. I'm talking about believers who know the covenant, believers who know who they are in Christ, and believers who are going there in the armor of God. And that armor on the believers now turns into an armory a storehouse of weaponry of God's people as they come into this mighty place of protection in the spirit. Woo! Glory to God. The enemy can't penetrate, can't get in, can't get in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus over our president, our vice president, over our nation, our senators, our congressmen, our leaders, the House of Representatives, that revival come to our national leaders. Let revival, Father, come to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Touch them, O God. Touch them. Touch Diane Feinstein. Touch these people, O God. 
with visitations from the Lord Jesus and reach them. Oh God, we praise you. Father God, let revival come to the leaders of Planned Parenthood. We know that the blood of Jesus can save anybody that will call upon the name of the Lord. And Lord, let the atrocity of abortion be stopped in our nation. Oh God, we give you praise. Frustrate every plan of the enemy. Oh God, let the church arise. Let the preaching of the gospel go forth in the power of your spirit. Let revival begin to roll all across this land. Set your people free, oh God. We give you praise. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away all sin and makes anybody who receives it in right standing with you. Now we thank you, Father God. We thank you as believers we have received the blood. We thank you for your protection. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. Glory to God. This is the time for the God, God's people to pray. This is the time to pray for our, our leaders, maybe even to make pilgrimages to Washington, D.C., and just walk around and pray. Pray in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Walk around the White House and pray in the Spirit. Walk around the nation's capital and pray in the Spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God's going to move in this nation. Yes, he is. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Let us walk in the spirit of love. Hallelujah. We give you praise because, Father, we thank you because love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. And, Father, when we love the terrorist, when we love the abortionist, when we love those that would even try to kill us, when we love them, we thank you. There's no fear. There's no fear. Thank you, Father God. We just give you praise. We thank you that we live in a fear-free zone of Psalm 91. No evil shall befall us. No plague shall come near our dwelling. We thank you that you have given your angels charge over us, and they bear us up lest we even should dash our foot against a stone. We thank you for angelic protection. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, go forth every day in the armor of God, walking in full protection, and you'll always be fine. You're ready for anything. God bless you. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.